Need your Minnesota United soccer fix? We've got it for you here. It's Loon Talk on Score North. Welcome into Loon Talk Season 2. Jonathan Harrison here alongside new co-host Dan Terrar. Dan, how are you doing today? Great. Season 2. Oh, you mean podcast Season 2. Yeah, podcast Season 2. Season 5 for the Loons. I don't know if you knew that or not. (laughs) So I'll yeah. make sure we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah, season five for the Loon, season two for Loon Talk. We are back <laughs> this year. Happy to be back. I'm Jonathan Harrison. That's Dan Terhar. We are the radio uh, team for Minnesota United. This is not paid for by Minnesota United. This is paid for by Score North. So this is completely unaffiliated with the club. You know, when we're together on the radio, then we're affiliated with the club. Right now, we're not affiliated so that with the club. That means that way we can say whatever we want. I guess so, Yeah. <laughs> I guess we have permission to do whatever we want here. Um, So introducing the podcast here, this is Loon Talk. This will be your weekly uh, Score North content for Minnesota United, all things Minnesota United. I will be, Dan and I will be the hosts every week. We sometimes will have guests. We're trying to get uh, some guests in the future to join us. Uh, Make sure if you like it, rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast uh, or your podcast service of choice. That would be great. So Dan, uh, we could use a guest tonight. Yeah, this uh, this will be a little bit of a harsh review after. I want Brett Coleman in. I want to know what the heck he was doing. <laughs> after what happened uh, on Friday night to open up the MLS season for the Loons and the Sounders, wasn't a good night, Dan. Let's just put it that way. It was a four nil win for Seattle. Uh, where do you want to start here? I don't know. Well, let's start with the very beginning. I mean, uh, a little behind the scenes look. It's you know the first game of the season which is always a little stressful because things change, but they don't change. You know, there's always some changes and, and there have been some changes within, within the broadcast organization for both the, uh, both Minnesota United and Score North. So you and I, uh, Jonathan, were the constants, but there were changes behind the scenes. Um, you know, Cal, uh, Cal uh, who normally calls the games when they're on network TV on the radio um, because of a personal issue, had to bow out at the last second. That, you know, threw me into a tailspin. And thank God Kendra was there to give me some help and get caught up to speed really quickly. But, you know, with some of the new bodies in place and a new season, it was behind the scene. You know you know the old saying, Jonathan, uh, like a duck, smooth on top, but paddle like crazy underneath? Man, that's the way I felt. And, yeah. and it, was, uh, it was very stressful, but – the good thing is the team got off to a great start. I mean, a fabulous start, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They started off, and we all knew going into this game that Seattle would be in a new 3-5-2, something they've never done or have rarely done under Brian Schmetzer. But because of injuries and players outgoing, they needed to do a new formation for the team. So they went with a 3-5-2, and it looked like they were going to struggle with it all game long as Minnesota came out and seemed to dominate everything from the get-go. They were causing Seattle a ton of trouble up front. They were high pressing the heck out of them. And let's talk about that high press a little bit. They, it worked, (laughs) it worked for the first half as we went into halftime, nil, nil. But then in the second half, after that first goal, it seemed like the energy was just sapped from them. But if, but if it worked, why was it nil, nil at halftime? (laughs) (laughs) You know what what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, We'll get to the, why it was nil-nil, but yeah, it, it just seemed like it seemed like that that high press, the first game of the season, first game after, what, four months off since mm-hmm. the Western Conference final in December, 
it just seemed like those players out on the field for the loons kind of got worn out doing that high press. It was, it was fun to watch. I hope we see it all season long. It was fun to watch, but it seemed like they were exhausted by the second half. Um, So let's get to the goals then. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, it, it was fun to watch what I think I told you, I told you at halftime, I said, you know, if you're, if you like American soccer and you like a lot of scoring, I shouldn't say scoring, but you like a lot of intensity, a lot of action. And you probably love that first half. It was all over the place. It was anything but clean, crisp, pure soccer. It was, it was, but again, to me, you know, uh, a guy that spent most of his adult life covering hockey games. I thought it was great, man. It was like, it was like hockey without skates. I mean, they were banging and they were hitting. It was fun. But if you're like really good, clean soccer, you didn't get any of that. Yeah. And there was a lot of intensity. It seemed like, you know, all week the players had told us we've put the game behind, we put the Western conference final behind us. We put <laughs> yeah, it behind right. us. It doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. They didn't play like that. They certainly came no. out with some fire and we're getting into yeah. Seattle a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Seattle was expecting that yeah. and they just kind of wrote it out. They, they were, you know, for the most part, I mean, they got a little heated at times, but you know, that's soccer. There's always somebody's if somebody's not complaining about a call, it's, you're not watching soccer. So they, but they kind of wrote it out and you know, whether you like Brian Schmetzer or not, I look back at that game and go, man, I think he knew what he was doing. Yep. He was going to, he was going to let Minnesota just, completely exhaust themselves emotionally and physically and let them just go on the attack. And, and then the second half, he came out and, uh, well, we'll get the second half later. Let's just stay on the first we'll, half. That we won't take too long in the second half. <laughs> I mean, and in the first half, it was just, there were so many reasons, you know, to think that Minnesota had a really good chance of, of getting some points out of Seattle and maybe even getting their first ever win against Seattle yeah. and in Seattle. But, you know, this – I hate – you hate to go back to the starting lineup and, and say, well, this happened, that happened. Um, because when, when we saw the lineup, seeing Brett Coleman in at middle back with, with Boxy didn't alarm me because they spent a lot of time together. Yeah. And, and, and even though Brett – might not be as highly skilled as some of the guys that you'd like to have in there. He always did a decent job. The effort was there. He usually was pretty conservative. Um, so I wasn't worried about that. Nico Hansen wasn't able to go, eh, you know, you go, well, we don't know what we have in Nico. We haven't, we haven't seen him in this formation. So nothing seemed that alarming. Um, I don't know. What did you think when you saw the lineup? I was a little concerned about that back line just because we didn't get to see a lot of Brent Coleman last year just because he was on loan and then the suspension. But knowing how he's played for this club the past, you know, basically his entire, yeah, his entire professional career he's been with Minnesota. I wasn't too concerned. Yeah, yeah, the the big question marks, as we all knew going in, were the goalkeeper and the midfield. Who was going to start at goalkeeper and then who was going to start in midfield with the – the talent that or the depth that they've accumulated this off season. And so far the goalkeeper doesn't concern me. Dane St. Clair looks to be picking up right where he left off last season. The midfield will trap was caught out a little bit, a couple times, but overall I liked what I saw in the midfield. And since we mentioned will trap, let's talk about the handballs. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. All right, let's put it this way. If the handball on Will Trapp is called, then the handball on Josh Atencio should have also been called as well. 
because they were both the same thing. Both their hands were out in the out above their basically above their head and the ball hit their hand. It wasn't intentional on either one of them. Neither one of them just went out there and swatted the ball, but the the ball still hit their hand and only one was called for some reason. I don't understand it. Let me ask this. Do you have I don't even I played soccer at 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 in high school. Played some adult soccer. I'm not a soccer expert. I don't I you know my whole life hasn't been dedicated to the game like like some people, but I don't understand. I have no clue Going forward, if there's a ball that hits someone in the hand, I'm just going to say nothing because I don't understand it. Yeah. I, 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 I went back after I got home, and I couldn't sleep after that one, um, and I looked up the rule. I still don't understand it. I don't, it think, the, I don't think a lot of the refs have – like they're supposed – obviously they understand it, but a lot of them in just the heat of the moment, it, it changes based on who the ref is and what's going on, where they're at. It's so hard – when they keep changing that rule and what's considered a handball and what's not. So it's disappointing that one was called and one wasn't when they're both exactly the same thing. If you look at them, I, I don't know that they're exactly the same thing. I thought the handball on uh, Seattle was more obvious. I thought it was yeah. clearer, but that's, that's looking at it through the lens of a broadcaster, not seeing it from the angle. Obviously if you're a referee, you're seeing right. things at a completely different angle than we see. So from his angle, oh, the only thing I can say in his defense is that is, from his angle, the handball, which was just what a couple minutes before the, uh, yeah, I think just, they were, I think they were like seven minutes apart. It wasn't very far apart. I didn't even think it was that long, but maybe it was. But you know, from his angle, apparently the handball in Seattle must not have looked. He must not have seen it. Must not have looked obvious. But the problem I have is if we're going to the booth and they're talking in his ear. Yeah. Somebody in the booth must have said, nah, it's all good. Yeah, VAR, VAR checked both of them. We got the notice. Yeah, don't tell me it's all good. Yeah. We got replays that will show that it's not all good, but somebody in the replay booth said, nah, that's good. Play on. It's yeah. like, are you kidding me? We got the notice during the game that VAR had checked both. Yeah. And they cleared the, the Seattle one and then didn't clear the Minnesota one. There's something wrong with that. And, you know, one thing I don't have to worry about is, you know, that Adrian is looking into it and, you know, he'll file whatever complaints he has to complain. Not that it'll do any good at all, but. (laughs) It's uh, not going to change the scoreline any bit. No, it doesn't change anything. But, yeah, you know what? I think you got to go back to, hey, I'm sorry. If it hits you below the shoulder anywhere, it's a handball. I mean, they've, you know, when you try and fine-tune things, sometimes you make it worse. Yeah, make it harder on the refs. Perfect example of it, it's it's being overthought. You know, a handball is a handball is a handball. It's and like a catch is a catch is a catch in the NFL. Right, and they, they've made that confusing. It shouldn't <laughs> be. So I, I found that very troubling, and I got to tell you, now when you see someone calling for a handball, I guess it's best just to ignore it because that's what, that's what they did in this case for one of them and not the other, but yeah. that led to – one of the biggest moments of the uh, of the night was the penalty kick by a guy that scores a ton of goals. Yeah, he's been and Seattle's leading scorer for the past three seasons. Raul Rui Diaz stepped up in the 27th minute for the penalty kick for Seattle, and Dane St. Clair comforting us all by making a huge save. Gotta love this kid. Yeah. Gotta love this kid. You know, when he stepped in last year when Tyler Miller got hurt – you thought, okay, all right, let's find out what he's got. 
And he did nothing but just show up every night, give it his best. He wasn't perfect. He got caught off his angles. He had some distribution problems from time to time, whatever. But it was his, you know, his first real shot at, at, at the team, at the league. And, and he did all right. You know, yeah. he did great. He had a good defense in front of him most of the time. And there's something about he's a big kid, he's, but, but he gets big. He's got long arms, long legs. Yep. And come on, we all know what it comes down to in penalty kicks. He's going to guess right or left. Or what's the third choice for a keeper? Going to hold his own in the middle mm-hmm. and hope that, you know, the guy makes a mistake and shoot, you know, doesn't put the ball to the post and he can make a save. He guessed right. Rui Diaz kicked it to his left and he made the save. Yeah. And at that point, man, it felt good. It felt like this team, now things are going their way. They survived, you know, not a bad call by the official. It wasn't a bad call, but it was a, a confusing call that left you just shaking your head going, you know, why, why was this one a handball with the other? So, but anyway, they get that behind you and you're going, all right, here we go. We're all playing them, right? Is there any doubt that we were all playing them at no, that point? not at that time. So we're all playing them. Your young goalkeeper just made a huge save on a PK. And you're thinking, all right, you know, get one before half, we'll be in good shape. Yeah, and just, what, five minutes later, I think Robin Lode has, has a chance in the Seattle box and just bangs it right off the post. And right off the post. It was the outside of the post. But, yeah, yeah he hit the post. And, um, you know – there wasn't a lot of room. The, the uh, Fry had it pretty well covered on the post. Yeah. I don't think he could have gotten it between Fry and the post. He would have had to go back to the far side or go up high or something. So it, it wasn't like just a tap in. Um, and to defend Robin Lode, you know, the guy's not a striker. No, we saw him. We saw him a couple times last year play up top in that false nine role where he just dropped yeah, back that's and not, just that's not, that's the, not where he's going to be his best. Yeah. yeah. He wants, to be so, on, he wants to be on the right side. And he got there later, but unfortunately it was because, you know, the game was almost out of hand. But <laughs> um, So I, I give him a pass on stuff like that. But the, the point would be that if he finds a way to put that one in or anybody scores and we score first, that game changes drastically. Yeah. Adrian always now, says goals change yeah. games. And that would have, especially coming off of that huge penalty saved by Dane, who's clearly making every attempt to be Canada's number one goalkeeper. And I think he's mm-hmm. got it based off his competition in that team, but he's yeah. <laughs> Is that like being the tallest jockey or what? <laughs> <laughs> They've got some good goalkeepers up in Canada. Know, and they're a good team. No, they got poke fun at Canada. When oh you yeah. Can. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that would have, that would have absolutely changed the game considering how close you were to halftime you get that goal, yeah. you go into halftime up 1-0 with the way they were playing. I don't think they run out of energy like they did after the Zhao Paulo goal in the second half. I think, the, I think, and you say run out of energy, I really think what happened to this club was more mental than physical. Yeah. I think they I threw that. so much, you know, uh, with, that, with that press early on and, and, and guys like Finlay were just everywhere. And I think when they got behind, it was a mental – let down. It was like we threw everything we had at them. We couldn't score. But, you know, we went through stretches of this last year, you know, yeah. um, where they played really well. The defense was really tough for most of the game, and then they couldn't score. So I'm not – that doesn't concern me as much as the defensive problems did. 
Because I think they're going with, with Emmanuel Reynoso, this team is going to put points up. They're going to score goals. They got to figure out, you know, who's, who is their striker. Um, and I think they're going to score some goals. This kid is so talented um, in the first half anyway, that he's going to put points up and, you know, what happened to him in the second half, we can talk about that when we get to the second half, but uh, there was a big change there for, uh, for Reynoso. Yeah. So let's get to that second half then. Um, no. As you mentioned, uh, things changed after that goal, after the goal by Zhao Paulo, which is just an unreal strike by him. Great first touch that he just pops up to himself and then just strikes it right into the back of the net. As you mentioned, it, it was emotional for them. It was mental. And then also just the physical part of them just wore out. I, I totally buy that, that, that yeah. goal just took everything out of them based off of what they were doing in that first half, how they were giving Seattle so much trouble in a place that Seattle never has trouble in. They never have trouble at home yeah. and Seattle no, just when they, couldn't get out of their own half. When they get out, when they get out, they get the lead at home. It's pretty much lights out no matter who they're playing. Fans uh, are no fans. Joao's goal was to me the equivalent of if you see a a baseball player that picks up a ball, tosses it up to himself, and then hits it out of the park, you know, that's what he did. He took the ball, he popped it up, what, about waist high, and then just crushed it. Yeah. I mean, that was impressive. That was impressive. It's a goal, unfortunately, we're going to see all season long up there as goalier contender. Yeah, it was it was impressive. It was an impressive goal, and and mentally, I think it just took the team um, right out of it. But uh, Emmanuel Reynoso had a great first half. He did what he does. Mm-hmm. He he draws so many. You know, Kevin. We thought Kevin Molino drew a lot of fouls. That'll be nothing compared to what uh, Reynoso will draw. He's just he so does. good at like changing his body to he get will, to take yes. that foul in such a position that the ref will call it every single time in a dangerous position for him to strike in the free kick there were a couple of plays where he made such a sharp move that the defender at some point could not get out of the way and had to draw and had to take the foul Mm -hmm. and that's impressive um and so I don't know what adjustments I, I tried to I thought about it on the drive home after the uh after the loss and I tried to figure out what did Brian Schmetzer do to basically neutralize Emmanuel Reynoso, or did Reynoso get tired? I don't know, but he was not a factor in the second half, no. and that was a big part of the match. I think he had some he had some flashes in the second half, but it wasn't anything like the first half. There was yeah. a lot of times when he would lose the ball, and you'd just see his shoulders slump and his head drop, and he'd just get frustrated. That's the one thing I noticed, that he got frustrated in that second half just because yeah. he had been putting in so much effort in that first half, and it was going so well, and then all of a sudden his team's down one goal, two goal, three goal, four goal, and he's just what – more can what more could have he done that in that first half <laughs> than score the goal himself almost? Well, that's just – you know, he – we saw this last year that, you know, this kid plays with a lot of heart and emotion and there's no quitting him. So, um, yeah, he, he'll be fine. Um, and I know that they'll watch the film more than they want to, and they'll figure out why he was not as effective in the second half. And I think, you know, pr- perhaps he was just being shadowed more tightly and they knew they had to take the, take the game away from him and force someone else to step up. And I think by that point in the second half, Ethan Finlay probably was pretty well gassed. And uh, Hassani Dotson, 
I, I, I love Hassani. Uh, you know, from that 2019 draft, three great players. You know, you get Chase Gasper, Dane St. Clair, and Hassani Dotson. It's, it's like, man, if you could have a draft like that every year, you'd take it right now. It was an incredible draft. But Hassani's a player that doesn't have a spot. And it's great to have utility guys. But when your utility guy is that young and that promising, I think at some point you got to find a role for him so he can focus on it yeah. and get better at it. And I don't think that was his spot. I really don't. Yeah. What do you think about that? No, I don't think left wing is the spot for him. We saw him played a little bit for the U23s in the Olympic qualifying, and he was mm-hmm. decent, but it's not a spot I want him at all the time. I want him back in that midfield, which, as we mentioned before, going into this season, that midfield is a big question of who's going to constantly get the start there. We know Jan Gregush is always going to be number one on that on that list of guys who's going to get the start there. Ozzy Alonso, because of his age, is going to be in and out of the lineup. He'll probably mm-hmm. more like more than not come off the bench. So then you're deciding between Hassani Dotson and Will Trapp. And in this game, I get wanting to start Will Trapp just because his veteran know-how against a really good Seattle team, you'd want Will Trapp in there. But then with obviously the injuries that the team accumulated in the preseason, Hassani Dotson gets to start at left wing because you're not going to start the rookie Justin McMaster there in the first game of the season. So yeah, I, I, I don't think left wing is the spot for Hassani. I get it because you can change your formation a little bit if you want to go to a 4-3-3 at the time or in, in the game. But no, I'm, I'm not a fan of him at the left wing spot. I'd rather have him in the heart of that midfield. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the goals he scored last year, which he sold, he scored some beautiful goals. Yeah. But he was coming off the midfield where he had some open space, you know, just outside the 18. Mm-hmm. He had a little room to use his talents, and he's very skilled. He's very good on the ball. Um, and playing that wing, you don't get that because right. you're, you're too involved and you're going to be marked as soon as you come into that final third mm-hmm. where when he's a midfielder, especially from that defensive midspot, he's going to have more space in front of him. And he used that so well. So it'll be interesting to see what Adrian ends up doing with Hassani. And, you know, it's a good problem to have, but it is a problem to not know where a guy is going to fit in. Absolutely. With how talented he is, yeah. you, I, I'd assume he wants a starting role every week. If he doesn't, he'd be crazy because you'd want a starting role every week just with how talented he is, with the ability he has right now, as young as he is. He wants a starting spot, and he deserves one. But at this point, with this roster, with how deep it is, where is it going to come? Um, so we're not going to really dive too much into the next three goals by Seattle because <laughs> we don't really want to. It's Yeah, it was bad. Um, goal in the 70- let's just, say, let's just think things fell apart after that first goal, and, and there were some goals that Minnesota gave up that – you might not see two of those in a game all year, let alone three and one half. It, it just, like I said, mentally and physically things fell apart. And um, yeah, let's not, that's, that's, let's move on. Yeah. As we mentioned on the broadcast, the game ultimately came down to Seattle just converting on their chances. Cause each team had 17 shots on goal or 17 shots on the night. Seattle put nine on net compared to Minnesota's five and possession was split even right down the middle at 50, 50. So it just came down to Seattle converting on the chances they had as opposed to Minnesota not converting. And, 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 you know, when it's all said and done, they lost to a team that is one of the best teams in the history of the MLS, yep. a team that rarely loses at home, a team Minnesota has never beaten. So the fact that Minnesota lost at Seattle 
should not even make you blink. Now, the fact that they lost four to nothing and gave up all their goals in the second half will make you scratch your head and go, what's going on? But Jonathan, this is a team that made the conference finals last year. Yep. They have a lot of depth. They've obviously, after what we saw in Seattle, there's work to do, but you'd have to be a complete moron to think that they weren't still one of the better teams in the league, right? Right. And that leads us to our next point, ESPN's power rankings. And we all know how Adrian feels about power rankings, considering he looks (laughs) at them a lot. Uh, And power rankings aren't the end all be all. We know that, but this one deserves us to make fun of a little bit. ESPN putting Minnesota in the MLS power rankings as 27 out of 27 MLS teams saying after advancing to the Western conference finals last year, Minnesota United entered the season in the group of teams with legitimate MLS cup and ambitions, a four nil loss to start the year has a way of instantly dialing back expectations, dialing them back all the way to the worst team in the league (laughs) after four goals in one half after a first half that they were pretty dang impressive and looked like they were the better team quite easily. Now you're going to put them at 27 out of 27. Really ESPN. Were they having someone's six-year-old kid do these? I mean, I who's no idea. Who's doing that? I mean, you know, you almost got, if they're doing that, I don't know, somebody, somebody at ESPN, I don't know who they, who they get together and they come up with this. Somebody's got an ax. Somebody didn't have a good trip to Minnesota no. or somebody, somebody doesn't, somebody has an ex girlfriend in Minnesota or, or got food poisoning when they traveled here or something. There's something wrong because anybody that thinks this is the worst team in the league, obviously has after one week, after yeah, after one week, week. I mean, going into the season proclaimed as one of the teams with legitimate <laughs> aspirations to win the MLS cup. And rightfully so they're one of the yeah. deepest teams in the league one of the best yeah. coach teams in the league. And after one half of bad play, they are now considered by ESPN power rankings, the worst team in the league. Well, and, I'm thinking you know, they just did this because they know Adrian reads power rankings, reads sometimes a little bit too much into them as most people tend to do and just wanted to get him going. And, and you're probably right. And whatever it was, it's yeah. But you know, this team, <clears throat> again, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, underreact to being beat 4-0 by anybody. Um, If you're a contender, that shouldn't happen. And I guarantee you what's going on this week at the uh, National Sports Center in Blaine will look like a team that got beat 4-0. I know, Adrian. Um, But you don't want to overreact. It's the first game of the season. Now, if they come out and they get blown out in game two and game three, well, then you got a problem. But – there's too much talent on this team for that to happen. Um, let's just say it was a bad start and you got to move on. And if you want to dwell on it and you want to look at the ESPN ratings and get all upset and call for the coach to be fired and, you know, want, you know, Robin load, you know, run out of town and, you know, you go ahead if that gives you pleasure. But at the end of the day, you know, we'll see what they do on Saturday and I think there'll be a pretty good bounce back coming. Yeah, we'll preview that match coming up here in a little bit on Loon Talk. Once again, Jonathan Harrison here with Dan Terrar. Weekly Score North MLS or Minnesota United slash MLS podcast. You can find it on Score North, scorenorth.com, uh, Podcast One, and any one of the podcast services of your choice. Make Wait, slow down. Break- I got to write those down. <laughs> okay. I'll email them to you so you remember. Okay, great. Yeah. Uh, Wait, so quick podcast? What is it? Okay, all right. 
So quick lessons out of this game. Probably need better fitness if they're going to press high or that high anyways um, going into this season. Uh, Brent Coleman, we mentioned him. We mentioned him at the top of the show. Looked a little rough in that center back spot. You really want Bakai Debasi back, but that also limits his versatility a bit if he's always supposed to be, if he's always penciled in as that center back number two alongside Michael Boxel. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Brent. I expected more out of Brent Coleman, and, and I thought, you know, uh, you know, to keep him around as a backup was great. Um, you know, I hope it was just a matter of Brent having a bad night, but he got, I can't remember, you know, now those goals are a blur, but he got beat really bad and cleanly on one of the goals. Is that the second one or the third one? I don't remember. But I think it was, they, yeah. They all run together, but um, – you know, if that's if that's the level he's playing, you know, it's not all him too. He may have been trying to cover on some of those goals for uh, Chase Gasper. There was one, the fourth goal, I think it was. Uh, Roman Metinier was down, so they were a man short down there. I it looked to me as though that didn't get picked up on quick enough yep. by both Coleman and by Boxel, and so that causes problems. So you know, I'm not making excuses. Brent had a Brent had a really rough second half. Um, but I don't think that's what you're going to see for him um, if he gets in there again. It, it's it just was odd, and mm-hmm. um, so again, no time to panic. But it's early in the season to panic. Well, you, yeah, I mean it's the first game a of long the year. Season. Yeah, we'll be doing this all the way until October and November. So right, panic right. already. Um, what I saw from Reynoso and. Abila in the what 25 15 minutes we saw them play I liked it I liked the early connections they had there was two early connections I think there was a really nice lofted pass from Reynoso across field to Ramon Abila who then shot it first time but didn't really connect that well but it's just it's fun to see that already in the first what two minutes that they were playing together for the first time in I think a year now that they played mm-hmm. together it was fun to see that that early, that spark that Adrian said that those two have on the practice field. It was fun to see that come through on the field almost right away. Yeah, and, and it was a very little taste, but at least it gave you an idea. And, and you know, because we're, uh, we're you know, striker deprived, you know, <laughs> it looks good. I mean, we really went the whole year last year, right? It is I incredible mean, it, that they got to the Western Conference final with yeah. the, the, the striker depth, lack of yeah. depth they had last year yeah yeah yeah, it was it was yeah so I think it's gonna be fun to see what he can do and I would be pretty I mean I don't know I you know they say he's not you know he needs to get in game shape Uh, but man I I just think that he's gonna be in there on Saturday I mean I just unless there's a setback unless there's something we don't know about but if it's just a matter of him getting in better shape you know another week I would think that you know, at least he'd he'd start, and if you know they got to make a change, you know, at halftime because he's gassed, then do it. But yeah. you know, this you brought this guy in to play that position. You know, let's not wait any longer. Let's get him in there, see what he does. You got guys that can go in there if he if he can't play the whole ninety or if he can't make it to sixty or whatever. You know. Yeah, and that's that leads us into our next point. Uh, need more fun. Need more anything from that number nine position. As we mentioned, they didn't have much last year from it. You just need more from it if you're going to compete and contend for the MLS Cup this year. I'm not sure what you said, but it didn't sound very good. I don't know what you said. But... <laughs> oh, did you cut out over there? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I said like you need, you said you need more from the number nine. 
Oh, okay. whoever well, that's going to be. And you no, didn't no, have no, a lot of it last that. year. It's not that. We need a number nine. <laughs> we don't need more from a number nine. Yeah. Whoever's going to play that position, we need it. We need more of it. A guy that we can put in there and feel good about what he's doing. And even if he has a little bit of an off night, you don't pull the plug and go to somebody else. And yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was a revolving door that never really – you know, worked right last year. So, yeah, I mean, let's get him in there. And hopefully on Saturday we get him in there. We can see what he can do as a, as a start. And, you know, he's he should be fresh. Reynoso will be fresh at least for the first, you know, 30, 45 minutes. And if he can't go longer – see, I don't – what I don't understand is if the guy's got the skills and the talents, but he's not in – you know, maybe they say he's not quite in game shape yet. Well – I look at it like, well, throw him out there early on when he's fresh, mm-hmm. Reynoso's fresh, Lode's fresh, Finley's fresh, they're all fresh, and then try it. And if you've got to pull him out after 30, 35 minutes because he's just too tired, then you put in a fresh body, then you move Robin Lode up there. I, I just don't – I don't know. You, by the time you put him in, the game was over. So what good I does think- that do? I, want to I think see they would have play. done that if it was later in the season, but because it's so early in the season, because it's the first week of the season, I think there was a little hesitancy, and that's kind of why I would assume DeBossi didn't play is because it was just so early. He probably could have gone, but they didn't want to risk it this early. But, in now the we're the, but now we're the worst team in the league. Yeah, there's no coming back now. We might as well just throw it all away this season. Wouldn't you just love to see Adrian's face when he saw that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we'll hear about it in the press conference this Take week. Take the kids out of the room. Put on the put on the earmuffs. It's good. It's not going to sound good. Should we ask him that? Uh, you go ahead. Yeah. In the broadcast meeting, should we ask yeah. him that? Hey, Adrian. Uh, twenty-seven out of twenty-seven on power rankings on ESPN. How do you nowhere, feel? Nowhere, nowhere to go but up. Oh, man. I don't think Zoom has a has a sensor function. Nope. <laughs> Only so many beeps in a row. <laughs> uh, so that was our review of Seattle four, Minnesota nil. That was. Not a fun night for anybody involved from the Minnesota side. Seattle sure loved it. Let's take a quick look around the league. Opening weekend of MLS, finally it's back after four months. It was great to have it back. Just from a soccer fan's perspective, being able to wake up on Saturday morning, starting at what, probably 6.30, you get Premier League to start off the day, go straight right into MLS action. That takes you basically all the way up to bedtime. It was awesome having soccer on all day. I'm sure my family didn't appreciate it, but... Yeah, you got two kids now. You should probably actually do some dad things. I did. One of them's, what, three weeks old at this point, so I just sat there all day while he slept, fed him every once in a while, and watched soccer the entire day. All right. That was great. Good My wife you. didn't appreciate it, but it was fun. She's going to figure it out eventually. Yeah, she hasn't five years <laughs> in. Six? Five? I don't know. Uh, but 2.69 goals per game, the same as last year. So we're getting plenty of goals a game, almost three goals a game. Man, what a fun weekend. Unfortunately for us, ours was the most lopsided game of the weekend. There was some fun matches. Um, Chicharito with the brace to fire the Galaxy up in a comeback win in Miami against one of their one of the Galaxy's former stars and David Beckham as he's the owner of Inter-Miami. That was a fun one. Um, it did leave me with the question, though. Are Seattle in as much trouble as many predicted heading into the season? Well, I don't ever think they were in trouble. Yeah. I, I felt like, yeah, they made some changes, but that team has a way, and you got to give a lot of that credit to their coach. I mean, whether you like him or not, you know, he gets it done. He is able to uh, make the most out of whatever he has. I, I think that – Put it, saying they were in trouble, 
was a bit of an overstatement, saying that they're in a bit of a, a maybe a little bit of a rebuild. They have to replace some people. Yeah, mm-hmm. they do. But I don't ever think that they were out of a out of. I, I never wrote them off as not being a playoff team. I think you'd be crazy to write them off as a playoff team. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they've never so, finished below fourth in the Western Conference right. in the what decade that they've been in MLS. Yeah, so they're a playoff team. So I don't ever think they were in trouble. They just looked on paper to be not as dominant as maybe they have been in the past couple of years. But you know what? You think about it, they were never that team. They were always that team that was going to make the playoffs, and they always played their best at the end of the year. They always played their best in the playoffs, and you know, and that's why they've, what, four years straight playing in the ML, MLS Cup. So yeah. I don't think they were in trouble. And they're going to get some players back. They're just going to get better, you know. What's 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 the name of the guy that scored the winning goal against us in December? Uh, Gustav Svensson, I believe. Svensson, yeah, Svensson. They sent him to China. They didn't even want him. Get out of here. Go to China. Go play soccer in China. You know, so he's gone. The only uh, thing this, I think, the, the only thing this loss does this early in the season for Minnesota is it really hurts their chances of getting into the U S open cup, which we know for some weird reason is being decided based off your first three games this season. Cause they don't want to run the full thing. It's super weird. Doesn't make sense to pretty much anybody. It's not really the open cup. If you're limiting it to four MLS teams or whatever it is. Yeah. It, I think this really hurts their chances. If they can win the next two and get a good goal differential, I think they'll have a decent shot maybe, but yeah. They've really got to hope some other teams falter on their way. Yeah, if they win their next two, they got a shot at it. If they don't win their next two, then they can forget about it. And, um, but yeah, I, on this season, I, I yeah. Did, did they go to the ESPN power ranking people to set this up? Is that who did this? Because there's is that really the best way to decide who plays in it? The first three games? No, it's it's yeah, it's one odd. of the worst ways I could you could think of to to do it because the first three games of any. <laughs> of any season this long is just they're never really like some of these teams are still just gearing up into playing shape. Yeah. And so you're rewarding teams. You're basically rewarding teams for, for a fast lucky. start yeah. and for having maybe a soft schedule. Mm-hmm. Cause there might be teams that go three and zero in their first three and they played three terrible teams. I mean, <laughs> like, you know, like, like Seattle, they played the worst team in, in MLS. <laughs> Well, Seattle's going to get in because they got to play an easy team right away. So, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it, but I, you know, I'm not a big, I'm still trying to, how do I say this? I'm still trying to accept the whole tournament within a season deal because it's, it's so different than anything done in any American sport. It's a foreign concept for Americans. Right. Right. And it's, and I know to to soccer people around the world, Mm -hmm this is just how you do it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I get it. But it's, it's, a, it, you know, and so many of the people that I hang out with are, are, uh, are hockey people and they're baseball people and they're twins fans. And, and you got to explain it to them every time it gets exhausting. It does. It's like, yeah, you don't need to know. Now I just say, you know what? You Google it. You don't need to know. Just, just let it <laughs> they're go. They're just playing a game. Yeah. It's just, it's just, yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, speaking of the U.S. Open Cup and how it relies on the first three games of the season, the next game up for Minnesota, you know, they didn't have the good start in their first game. Their next two games should be winnable, considering who they're playing. RSL next on Saturday, a team that finished at the bottom of the Western Conference last season, and then Austin FC, the newest team in the league. 
those should be easily winnable games. So let's focus on the home opener for Minnesota United this coming up this Saturday. You can hear that on score North with Dan and I, um, so home opener against RSL, they haven't, RSL haven't played a game yet because of the uneven amount of teams in the league. They got the bye week the first week of the season. Mm-hmm. RSL last year, five wins, seven draws, 10 losses. Not a good season for them. What are we expecting on Saturday from them? Well, you're going to – I think you're going to see a little bit of what the uh, Loons ran into in Seattle, a team back at home, a team that, by the way, we forget that you know, yes, they knocked Minnesota out of the playoffs in the conference finals, but they went on and got embarrassed in the MLS Cup final. Mm-hmm. I, I think that might be the most lopsided MLS Cup game in a decade or more. Yep. Three, three, three nil. nil in the final. So they had something to say. They had something to prove. They knew Minnesota was going to come in with a chip on their shoulders. Uh, they knew that they they knew they weren't going to lose at home, and they didn't. And I think Minnesota's got to, you know, come in with that same attitude. All right, now we're back at home. We tripped and fell on our we, – we did a face plant in Seattle. We're not going to do that here. This is at home. This is a team we know we can beat. And I think um, – I, I really think they'll get a win over uh, Real Salt Lake. I don't know that they can beat them 4-0, but it'd be nice if they could win by a couple of goals. Like you said, if they need to win their next two um, and have a decent goal differential to, uh, to play in the Open Cup, that's what they need to do. Um, I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm always optimistic. I, you know, I've been a homer my whole life. I really, really be surprised if they don't win on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, it's a team that, as I mentioned, had a pretty rough season last year. They're going through some, some things off the field with new ownership, the MLS taking over, uh, basically the search for the new owner of RSL. Um, they've got a couple new forwards in, in Bobby Wood and Rubio Rubin both U.S. men's national team forwards at one point or another, 28-year-old for Bobby, Bobby Wood, 25-year-old Rubio Rubin. Uh, Bobby Wood, only one goal in 22 appearances in the last two years as he's gone through a contract disagreement over in Germany with his, uh, with his former club there. They just ended up outright just letting him go, and that's why Bobby Wood will be with the squad now instead of waiting until uh, June. But out goes Corey Baird, who showed up for LAFC this weekend in their win over Austin. And then out goals goes uh, Kyle Beckerman, longtime midfielder, longtime U.S. men's national team midfield, one of the RSL legends. He retired this offseason. So there's a bunch of changes in Salt Lake this year. So it'll be interesting to see what they come out as in their first game of the season. Like you, I, I predict a win just because I don't think, based off of the, trans, the transactions they had this offseason, that RSL will be much better. I think they're going to be right where they were last year. It's going to be a long season for them out in Utah. And and for Minnesota, I think the big things to watch uh, right up till kickoff on Saturday is what the lineup will look like because it's early in the year, but there's some players that were held out uh, for conditioning reasons, for minor injuries. Um, you know, we both agree that Dane St. Clair had a really had a sensational first half. You got a guy named Tyler Miller waiting to play too. Yeah. Um, Dane gave up four goals. And no matter how you look at it, he still gave up four goals. Mm-hmm. You know, so is he his fault or not? Right. Is he a lock? I don't know. I think I don't think do you? Yeah. See, I don't I don't think he was a lock going in. Really? I don't I don't think that that uh I think he got the nod because of what he did last year. He got the start over Tyler Miller. I think going in, I think I think and I can't read Adrian's mind. 
but I think they were kind of close. And I think he got the nod because of what he did last year. But, you know, there's some people that would say, you give up four goals. Yeah. Bring on the next guy. I think I, the reason why I think Dane is a lock is because he's so young. They yep. drafted him number seven overall back in 2019. They see the crop of talent they got in that draft. They see them all coming up basically at the same time now, mm-hmm. transitioning into first-team starters. I think they want those guys to be the starters now. So I think, I think Dane's a lock just because of how he played last year and going into the season. If you're going to start anybody in that first game at Seattle to start off the season on national television, I think that person, whoever that goalkeeper would have been at the time, I would have said that that person was was going to be the number one all season long, whether it was Tyler Miller and Dane St. Clair. So when it became Dane, when it was announced that it was Dane, I think he's the number one goalkeeper all, all year long. And Tyler Miller will come in to just give him some relief from game in and game out, or they'll just use Tyler as a trade chip at some point. Well, and, and, and I think if, if you're right, and if Dane, if it is Dane's job, and like I said, that, that may or may not be decided at this point, then, um, Tyler Miller becomes pretty good trade bait because yeah. he's a good he's goalkeeper. Starting, he's a starting goaltender and you may have to get him some playing time at some point. So people can just see that he's okay. You know, coming off an injury, everybody yeah. wants to make sure you're okay. You might have to play him enough so that you can get true value out of him in a trade scenario, which to me, I think that seems more likely because you're not trading Dane at this point. He appears to be the goalie of the future if he is the goalie of the future and he is the goalie of now, of the present, then yeah, you need to, you need to get the maximum value out of Tyler Miller because we all know that within the next month or so, there's going to be teams that are going, oh, no, we need a goaltender. Yeah. And we're not happy with what we have. And he's a pretty tempting, pretty tempting option, I would think, for a lot of teams. So Yeah, not many teams in the league have – the kind of depth that goalkeeper that Minnesota does because they've got the two starting goalkeepers and they got Adrian Zendejas, who's a pretty good backup in his own right. He's good, good practice keeper for them to have. And then they got the young homegrown kid in Fred Emmings, who we obviously we don't know much about him, but they've got four goalkeepers that you'd be okay to have. So having two of them that are bonafide number one goalkeepers is great considering you can trade one of them. And obviously Tyler would be that guy at some point. At what point that is, who knows? I don't think it's within the first month and a half of the season because the, the first transaction deadline ends in like June 1st, I believe, or at the end of May. I don't think that happens then. I think it's going to be in July or August. Yeah, because if you wait till a team is really hurting or a team that is on that playoff bubble, but their goaltending is questionable, they're the ones that are going to give you maximum value for a guy like that. For sure. And so when the time is right, um, you know, that might be the option for a trade or, or just to get some uh, usable cash uh, to try and strengthen up the club. So, yeah, there, there are a lot of questions, even from game one to game two, as far as starters in the lineup. And that'll be very interesting to see uh, what changes will be made, um, you know, you know, anywhere from, you know, like I said, you know, probably the goaltending is set. Um, is Debaki Debasi back in the middle with Michael Boxel? Um, does Ozzy Alonso get the start? Does, you know, Hassani Dotson start? 
Uh, who starts up at front? Is, is Robin Lode up, up top or is he on the wing? So it'll be fun to see what changes come. Um, but whatever the changes are, whatever the lineup looks like, um, I think you're going to see more of what you saw in the first half in Seattle yeah. uh, out of Minnesota uh, being back home in front of fans at Allianz Field. That's going to be the key thing is having, what, yep. 5,000 fans, I think, for the first time in a Five year, having fans back at Allianz Field. I can't wait for it. Last year, it, was, it just wasn't the same. It was just no. so empty in there, and it felt it, and you could tell the players kind of felt it. It just wasn't the same. I missed having fans there, having that live interaction with the fans. It was awesome. Yep, it makes all the difference in the world. And um, I mean, sports were created to entertain fans. Yeah. And when sports like soccer were created, it was long before there was TV, long before there was radio. It was to entertain people in person. And, and getting back to that is going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, I'm sure the, uh, the smaller crowd will, will make up for it in noise. All right, so as we end the show here, Dan, let's get some predictions. Let's predict our scoreline for next week. We'll keep track of these all year long, uh, our scores, and see who's the most off, who has a bigger goal differential throughout the season. <laughs> oh, man. All right, you go first. I'm thinking a 3-1 win for the Loons. Come on, I want to wait. I want to go first. I want to go first. <laughs> <laughs> I'll edit it so you can go first. Oh, man. Um, well, we both we both thought they would win, and I gotta admit, my thoughts went to three one. <laughs> but, but I'm not gonna pick the same as you, so um, I'm gonna go four two then. Four two. Still a two goal differential, just a little more offense, and um, two goals for Real Salt Lake, just because um, I can't get out of my mind how terrible that back line looked in the middle. <laughs> In the second half, I'm still having nightmares, Jonathan. I don't think they'll have as much. I don't. RSL doesn't have as much attacking prowess as Seattle does, so I don't yeah. think they'll be challenged as much as they were on on Friday. So, at least they got that going for them. All right. Well, maybe I'll sleep better knowing that. <laughs> It'll be fun. You can you can listen to us. I believe six thirty pregame, seven o'clock kickoff on Saturday over on Score North, ScoreNorth.com, or the Score North mobile app. Uh, we will tweet out those links coming Saturday. Dan Terrar, it's been fun. Episode one of Loon Talk in the book for the 2021 MLS season. We will uh, talk to you next week, Dan. In the book. Thanks, Jonathan. We'll see you Saturday. Saturday.